All right, everybody doing good? All right, I like it. I like it when people clap. That's good. Hey, and welcome to Journey Church. If it's your first time, and I just met a couple of families that it is their first time, welcome. We hope you uh, enjoy your time with us today, and uh, hopefully you'll make this home. If you're joining us online, welcome, and uh, hopefully uh, you will feel a real part of the service today because we've got some really cool stuff going on. Uh, many of you guys may know, but um, you know we, we have Compassion Weekend this weekend, and uh, it's called the Compassion Journey uh, and there's an experience that we wanted, we want people to experience it. So hopefully you guys will do that before you leave here today. We're running out of time because it's kind of a short window now. But uh, Friday night, we had it set up in the square up there. And it's an immersive experience where you can bring your kids, you can take them in there, and you go through this experience. And, and what you're doing is you're hearing the story of a child. And uh, her name is Patience, and it is powerful, man, I'm just telling you. And so you get to go through and kind of experience what it would be like in her life. And uh, as you go through that, you know, your challenge to make a difference in a, in a child's life. And so Compassion Weekend has been here this weekend. We've had a team that's been here. It's been set up. We've been doing that, like I said, Friday night, most of the day, Saturday. And, uh, and then also this morning, uh, they're going to be doing that uh, right now. Actually, I think some of it's going on right now and after the service for a short time. So if you have not done that, we want you to do that. When you guys walked in, you may have seen back there on the back table, there's some, some cards like this that are cards that represent a child. Uh, that is in an area. We're kind of targeting an area in uh, Ethiopia. And uh, anyway, and so whenever you pick it up, there's a picture of that child. I don't know if you can see that, but there's a picture of that child on there. And it t- says what their name is. Her name is uh, Akbiru, Akbaru. And it says, I live in Ethiopia. My birthday is September the 19th, which is when? Tomorrow. How awesome if this little girl got, a, got sponsored on her birthday or the day before her birthday. What a great birthday gift for that little lady. And uh, so anyway... Uh, that is in Ethiopia. And so our, our church is kind of targeting in an area there in Ethiopia. And the reason we're targeting that area is because it's kind of a hostile area to the gospel. I don't know if you guys understand what that means, but uh, there's a lot of influence from other uh, cultures and other things there, other religions that are pretty hostile towards the gospel. And so we are targeting that area because we want to reach people with the gospel, with the light of Jesus Christ in that area of the world. And so it's in Ethiopia and we, you know, uh, hopefully you guys can, uh, can be praying with me about all these kids being sponsored. And uh, so we had, uh, when we started the weekend, we had 157 kids that uh, we were going to try to sponsor. And, and anyway, it was one of those things where you know, I was thinking, hey, 157, I was like, hey, if we get 100, I'll be pretty excited about that. And so I was leaving Tuesday, uh, leaving the house, and I was telling my wife, I said, hey, listen, hey, you should be praying with me about, you know, maybe, a, you know, at least 100 kids being sponsored. And she was like, you mean 157? And I was like, do what? She goes, there's 157 kids going to be at that church. She goes, we need to sponsor 157 kids. And I was like, okay. And it's like, God just punched me in the chest. He's like, Mike, you're not praying big enough. You know, and so I was like, okay, I, I hear you, God. And so anyway, uh, I don't know where we are right number on the number, but the first service just made a huge impact on that number. And uh, so hopefully, prayerfully, all of these kids are going to get sponsored before the day is out. And uh, we, got a, we got some special things for you today. And so we're in this series called Life is Better Together. And uh, last week, uh, we kicked it off and uh, we, we shared some reasons that we need each other. And, and, and so I want to kind of recap a little bit of last week. I don't want to re- do the whole thing, but... today's focus, we can impact more lives together. There's something about coming together uh, that God gives us uh, power and strength to do things we can't do on our own, right? And so we can impact more lives together. That's why the church is the design that God gave. We literally become a part of the body of Christ. The church is able to go out and make a huge difference together, and uh, we're stronger together. And so this is the passage from Romans that we read last week. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of, of one body, and we all belong to what? To each other, right? 
till we need each other. And I know in this culture, we talk about that, that oftentimes it's, Hey, I don't really need anybody, but you do. And I do. I need people in my life. I need people that love me, that encourage me, that challenge me, that rebuke me, that, you know, hold me accountable. I need all those things. We all need that. And uh, so we need other people in our life. Uh, we may be, you may say, Hey, well, I'm an introvert. Does not matter. You still need people in your life. Uh, because if you get along too long, you'll just start spiraling down. Right. And so you have to have people in your life. We need that. We're created that way. And so we were created for community. We go back to Genesis chapter two. You see where, you know, God spoke all things into existence. He created the heavens and the earth, and then he made man. He, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. He breathed his own breath into Adam and created Adam. And so we have man. And so he had community relationships with God. He had community with God. And, uh, and so God said, Hey, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. So he took his rib and he created, created and formed woman. And then the two were there and that, you know what? There was community, right? And, and so God blessed them and they, they had, they had this incredible relationship where they walked in the cool of the day and they spent time together. And, and so we were created for a community, but we were also created for relationships, created for a relationship with God, the father through his son, Jesus Christ created with, for relationships with one another. We were created from the dust of the earth for community and relationships. And so that's how we're designed. I mean, that is God's design. And when we try to isolate ourselves or we try to push everybody away, we're doing exactly what the enemy wants you to do is to isolate yourself and to literally push away everybody else because we need them in our life. But whenever we isolate ourselves, we become a very easy target and easy prey for him. And, and so while we need each other, this, we covered this last week, so I'm going to run through these kind of quick. I need others to walk with me. We talked about, you know, uh, following Jesus, being a follower of Christ. Yeah, that's a walk. You know, we talk about our walk with Christ. And so Jesus told the disciples, he said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And so literally he's asking, hey, come follow me. Come, come do life with me. Let's do things together. And hey, you won't be catching fish. You'll be catching souls. You'll be reaching people uh, for eternity. You'll be making a, a, a kingdom impact. And so Jesus said, hey, come follow me. And so as we're following Jesus, and you think about the disciples, you know, they drop their nets, they leave their boats, and they follow Jesus. And they begin to do what he did. And they literally learn from him moment by moment, day by day, and, and they lived out their faith. And so that's what Jesus calls us to do is we're to, we're to walk this walk. We're to live out our faith together. And I need others to walk with me. I need, I need guys to hold me accountable. I need guys to encourage me. I need guys to pray with me. And, uh, you know, and a cool thing is, is I was able to see some of this kind of lived out you know, in our life group this past week. And uh, you guys have QR code uh, cards that are on your thing. If you have not joined a life group, I want to encourage you to do that because really that's where we do life together, man. I mean, in here, there's a large group of people here. I get that. There's a lot of people watching online, but man, we need that community. We need that connection that's outside of here where we can get to know each other by name. We get to know each other's kids. We get to know what the prayer needs are in that person's life. And so this past week in our life group, I was able to see Literally, the very things that we're talking about here begin to be lived out in my life and in our, in our small group. And so our, it's, it's, it's critical that we have that. So I need others to work with me. Uh, you just heard John talk about it in the video, but there's going to be a man camp uh, that's going to take place on um, October the 14th and 15th. Any men in here, if you're a man, raise your hand. Hope you all know what that is. You know, I mean, in this day and age, people seem to struggle with that. But anyway, I'm glad you guys know what that is. And so man camp is for men. And uh, so we would love for you to be a part of that. And, uh, and there was a group of guys that got together yesterday and they went down and they worked to kind of get the camp ready where we're going to be meeting at. And they worked together. Now, one guy could have gone down and tried to do everything. It would have probably taken him all weekend. But he, there was about seven or eight guys that went down there 
Uh, and I hope they prayed over the, the camp. I hope they prayed over the work they did. But what they did is they went and worked together. And they worked together to prepare this place for the men here and the men online that maybe say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go to that event. I'm going to go to man camp. And, and it's, a, it's a place and it's, a, and it's an event that is planned every year so that men will connect with each other. So that there are relationships built. And it's a place where you just got, kind of get to know other guys and you realize, you know what? Hey, other guys have struggles like I do. And, uh, and, and so it's a place to, to literally work on our faith together, to walk together, to work together. You know? And so we would love for you to be a part of that. You, there's a QR code. You've got one of these that was handed out to you most likely when you came in. And it's got a little QR code that you can go on there and register. And if you're scared to register, get your wife to register for you, okay? Uh, whatever it takes to get you there, we want you there. You're like, man, I don't know those guys. Well, we want you to come so you get to know those guys. But we need others to work with us. And then here's the other one. We need, uh, I need others to watch out for me. You know, we, we talked about that last week. I've got your six, which means six o'clock uh, behind you. I've got your back. And, um, and it's like standing here. You know, I, I can look and I can see. And even in my peripherals, I can see things. But, man, I can't see behind me. And whenever the Bible talks about in Scripture that, hey, when two stand back to back, there's a good defense, right? Three is even better. You all three get back to back. You know, a, brand of, a braid of three is not easily broken. So we need each other. We need that brotherhood. We need somebody that has our back. And so we need people that watch out for us. They, they help us to avoid pitfalls. I need others to weep with me. I, some, there are times we go through, man, we just go through trauma. We go through tough things. We go through loss. And, and we need someone that will weep with us. And uh, I, saw, I saw that happen this past week in our life group. We had an incredible life group. And when we got to the end, we were, t- we were doing prayer requests. And we were just sharing some of the needs that were in the room. And, uh, and just even sharing those needs, they begin to be weeping. And I don't know if you're one of those sympathetic weepers. That if somebody cries, you cry. But I could see tears well up in people's eyes as, as people were you know, getting teary-eyed over a prayer request or whatever. And uh, it was just powerful to see people weep together. And sometimes we need that. We need someone who, you know, who understands what we've gone through. And sometimes they sympathize or maybe they can even empathize. They've been there. And maybe there's a few steps ahead. Maybe they've walked with you, you know, through something. And, uh, and they know the pain that you're feeling and they're able to weep with you. And we need someone who will do that. Uh, I had a friend of mine who lost a fr- uh, had a friend that lost his wife. And he said, man, I went over to his house. And he said, I get there. And he said, and I didn't know what to say. And he said, so I get to his house and I, I walk in, I sit down and he said, we're just kind of looking at each other. He's weeping. He said, I'm weeping. He said, I didn't know what to say. And I told him that. He said, hey man, I don't really know what to say. He said, it's not what you say. It's the fact that you're here. And all he was doing was sitting there weeping with him. And sometimes you just need someone like t- just to, to weep with you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you need somebody to, to walk through a, a tough season with you. I need others to celebrate with me. You know, we, uh, we need people to celebrate, you know, celebrate uh, special moments. You know, John talked about next week is baptism. Baptism is going public with your faith. It's letting everybody know that, hey, Christ lives within me. You know, uh, I was dead. Now I'm alive. I was, I mean, I, I've been born again. I've been set free. I have been redeemed. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I'm a new creation. And so I love it. And so watching those videos of those guys going through the waters of baptism, just, man, it gets me every time. And I celebrate, even watching the videos, I celebrate, Right. And so we need people that celebrate with us. And so oftentimes we, um, we, you know, something good happens. You look around and you're like, hey, there's nobody to celebrate with. Then you're missing out on some of the best parts of life. It's being able to do those moments with other people. You know, uh, I, I, this past weekend, like I said, we've had compassion. And every time a child would get sponsored, we'd get excited. You know, we're celebrating that because we believe that that, that kid has been offered hope. And that kid is going to have 
you know, medical care. Uh, maybe uh, they, they don't have any medical care, but there'll be medical care that will take place. There'll be food. These kids will have food. Most of us don't have to worry about food that much, you know. Uh, we, but but they have, they'll have food. And uh, they'll, have, they'll have someone sharing the gospel with them, you know, because these compassion partners with churches that share the gospel. And so even in these uh, hostile areas, the gospel of Jesus is going to be shared there. And these kids are going to hear that, you know what, God loves you and has a plan for your life. And he provided the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. And, and man, it's a gift. It's a free gift. And, and so they're going to hear that. And so I need others to celebrate with me. There, there are times that, um, you know, we, we kind of get caught up in celebrations of things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. We, this past weekend, like I said, Friday night, we had, you know, the experience set up Saturday. And uh, we had a bunch of no-shows, and, uh, which is kind of embarrassing. I'm like, really? We had people that signed up that didn't show up, and the girls were like, yes. Yeah. So we got two young ladies from Compassion that have been incredible. And they've been setting up and helping, uh, you know, run everybody through everything, show them how to do everything. And um, I said, well, this, you know, the tough thing is we're in a season here that's uh, kind of a season of idolatry or can be, if anybody knows what I'm talking about. You know, other things can become way more important than the things that matter the most. And, and, uh, and, and I love football as much as anybody, but I'm just telling you, it becomes idol worship real quick. You know, and it's funny how a little football can become so... Uh, um, important in someone's life or some team or some school that you never went to can become the most important thing rather than the things that matter for eternity. And so we don't have problems celebrating those things, right? We don't have problems celebrating those things, but there are things that are more important than a football game that need to be celebrated. And so here's, here's what I want us to hit today. I need others to help me help others. You know, I, I can help somebody, but a lot of times whenever, hey, we come together, we can do way more. And I, like I said, God chose the church to come together to take the gospel to what? To the world. And so it, it's not like, hey, listen, one person's going to go do that. You know, one guy's going to go do it. No, no, no. We come together as the body of Christ. And here's the thing. It's not just me going out and trying to win our, our, our community to the Christ. It is every one of us that is a believer that knows Jesus, that has put our faith in Christ. Every one of us, we leave here as a missionary. When you walk out of these doors, your job is not just go to work and come back next Sunday and sing again. Your job is to go out and be a light in a dark world and hopefully share the gospel with somebody. That's what, we are, that's what the body of Christ is supposed to be. So together, we're able to help people. Together, we're able to make a difference in the lives of people. Together, we can make a difference in the community, right? And, and so I need others to help me help others. And so I want to read this passage to you. This is First uh, Tim, Timothy. And Paul's doing a great here, uh, job here challenging Timothy with some things. But I want you to see the heading of it. It says, false teaching and true riches. And so false teaching, there's plenty of false teachings in our culture right now. Lots of false teachings. And uh, he talks about the difference uh, about false teachings and true riches. It says, teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. So what he's saying, hey, listen, Timothy, I want you to teach these things to everybody. I want you to make sure that these are being communicated, that people understand this, and they get what's most important. So some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. So what Paul is saying, hey, listen. There's, there's lots of teachings that are out there that are considered false teachings. He said, but man, these teachings are from Jesus himself. And what they do is they teach us to be godly men and women. They teach us to be righteous, to be set apart, to be holy. I mean, that's what they're teaching us. It's to promote a godly life. That we're not to be, you know, just fitting in with the world, but we're to be separate, to be different, to be set apart. And, and so he's saying, hey, listen, these things, man, they're faithful and true. These are the teachings of Jesus. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. We just got through doing a series talking about pride and arrogance, right? That haughtiness that can come in. And so it says, anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. 
They don't understand the things of God. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. If you're one of those where you're always getting hung up in the meaning and you're always right. Anybody here like to be right all the time? Don't raise your hand. But I'm just saying, you know, what we do sometimes is we, we, we want to be right. Even when we're wrong, we cannot admit that we're wrong, right? And, and so that becomes a pride thing and it's an arrogance thing. And, and what we do is we quibble over things. And, and there are times, and I know people like this, that, man, they're wrong and they will not admit it. They're finding some way to word it. They're quibbling over words to try to make it sound like they were possibly right. Now, if that's you, you may feel a little conviction right now. But I'm just telling you there are people like that. And Scripture talks about, hey, listen, man, don't, don't, get, don't be that way. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. Don't be that guy. Don't be that person. In other words, man, we, we, we're, again, we're, we're about unity. We want, to be come, we want to come together. We can do more together than we can in our little factions. And oftentimes, there's, you know, Satan loves to cause division and splits in churches. That's what he loves to do. So the thing we ought to be praying for more than anything is God, help us to be unified. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 17. Father, let them be one as we are one that we'll be unified because whenever there's that unity, there's incredible impact that can take place. It says these people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. In other words, it's not no longer about the truth of God's word. It's what they, it's their opinion that's more important. It says to them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Let me, let me just say there's, there's plenty of false teachings that are out there even now on TV and other places where it is all about, you know, someone using and leveraging religion to gain wealth. It's not about presenting the gospel. It's not about lives being changed. It is about literally, you know, some kind of false teaching that has some kind of form of godliness that has no power, but yet it's all about becoming wealthy. That's called a false teaching. And there's plenty of, plenty of that out there. That's why we need to know what God's word says, right? We need to know what the teachings of Jesus are. So that if someone is leading somebody astray, we know what the truth is. And so we've got to make sure that we're educated on the word of God. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. And what he's saying, hey, listen, man, whenever we're really godly people and, man, we're content with what we have, man, that's the greatest wealth. It's not about me accumulating more stuff. It's not about me having more things. It is about being content with what I have and being godly. You know, knowing that, you know what, my dependence is upon God. It's not upon, you know, stuff. It's not upon a bank account. You know, there's so many things that can throw us in a tailspin, like the, the economy this past weekend, you know, the Dow is down and this is down and man, your investments, you're watching everything kind of go down. It seems like, and you go, hey, if that's where your hope's at, I'm just telling you, man, it's, it's up and down. Scripture speaks to that. So, so yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us in, uh, when we came into this world and we can't take anything with us when we leave. When we came into this world, we were just a naked baby, right? We're just a naked screaming baby. That's all we were. And so we came into this world with nothing. And here's the thing, when we leave, we'll take nothing with us. All that we have worked for, we think, hey, you know, I've worked to accumulate this and I've worked to accumulate this. You will leave it behind and some people will throw it away, right? What you thought was so important, they will throw it away or they'll sell it you know, or whatever. And, and you might think, well, I'm taking it with me. I'm going to have them put it in a coffin. You still ain't taking it with you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you're not, it's not going to happen that way. And so whatever we, we have, we are to manage it and be good stewards of it. It's not ours. We're only here for a season, but it's what we do with what we've been given that God's going to give us, ask us, Hey, give an account. Tell me how you use what I gave you. How did you use it to reach others? How did you use it to make a difference? How did you use it for the kingdom of God? 
It says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Wouldn't that be nice to be content? Some of you guys probably got up this morning and you went in and looked in the closet and you're like, man, I don't have anything to wear. And you got clothes everywhere, you got shoes everywhere, but you didn't have anything to wear. Or how many of us walk in there to the pantry and we open it up and we're like, there's nothing to eat and there's canned goods everywhere. It's just nothing easy maybe, right? But we look in the pantry and we go, there's nothing in here. Or we open up the refrigerator and we go like, there's nothing in here I want. may not be what you want, but there's leftovers everywhere, right? And, and so we, we look in there and we, we're not content. It says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But if people who belong, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. But so, so in other words, man, we can have such a desire for the things of this world that, man, it plunges us into ruin. That's what scripture says. It plunges us into ruin. And we have to be careful that we don't get pulled into this. And we have this pile of debt over our head because we're trying to keep up with everybody else. And there's so much stress in the marriage and so much stress in the family because we don't have enough money to keep up with everybody else. And so we, it just wears us out and it causes us to make stupid decisions, dumb decisions, and it plunges us into destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So the, here's the thing. So the love of money is the problem. It's the root of all evil. And so Money is just a tool. I don't know if you guys realize that. Some of you guys have got maybe a wallet on you or your purse with you. You've got money. It's just a tool. But the thing is, is it becomes an idol just like that football can become an idol. You know, that university can become an idol. And so all these things, that NFL team can become an idol. That player can become an idol. All those things are, you know, it's nothing wrong with money. Nothing wrong with having money. But the thing is, is the love of money is what leads to destruction and what leads to problems. And so it becomes our God. It becomes our, you know, our focus more than the things of God. It's about, hey, how much money can I gain? How much money can I get? And, and it, man, look at that. The craving for money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So God's blessed us. And if you're sitting in this room, I'm sitting, you're sitting in air conditioning. We've got electricity here. We have donuts in there. We have coffee in there. You know what I'm saying? We have running water here. We're blessed. And most of us had plenty of food at the house. Most of us had food on the way here. You know, or we're going out to eat when we leave here. So we, we've got plenty. The thing is, is what do we do with what we've been given? And so Paul's final instructions, I love this to Timothy. He says, but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So the question is, are we men of God? Are we women of God? Are we truly godly people? Are we more focused on the things of God than we are the things of the world? Because I'm telling you, yesterday watching football, you know, there's a lot of commercials that come on that are promoting stuff, right? And they tell us what we need and what we have to have and whether it's the latest iPhone or latest whatever. And so there's all this stuff that you're, you're inundated with that tells you you've got to have more. You've got to have this or you're not, you're not cool. You're not up to snuff, you know? And so you've got to have this. So he says, but you are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. So run from the stuff that the world says, you know, is so important that gets in the way of our relationship with God. But a lot of us don't do that. We run to the things of the world, right? We're constantly trying to figure out how can we get more of what the world says I need rather than what God says I need. It says pursue righteousness and a godly life. In other words, we're to pursue that with the strength and energy that God gives us. And look at what it says, along with faith. Faith, 
a faith that believes what we read in Scripture, a faith that believes that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, a faith that believes, you know what, God, I can make a difference with you working in me and you working through me. God, believing that faith, believing that my witness can be enough that someone would hear the gospel and want to follow Christ, you know, that I can be a voice that could tell people about Jesus. I had a lady just ask me, say, hey, listen, I've got a lady coming to my Bible study or my life group that's from another religion. She goes, I want you to pray for me that God will give me the right words. I said, he will, because you have faith. You're coming to him in prayer saying, God, give me the right words. So she's growing in her faith as she is literally teaching someone who comes from a a false religion, to be honest with you, a false teaching. And she goes, I get the opportunity to share with her the hope of Jesus, the truth of God's word. And so we should be growing in our faith and then growing in our love that we don't just tolerate people, but we love people. Even those that we see that are doing evil things, we go, God, you love them enough that you sent your son Jesus to die for them. God, help me to love them enough to pray for them, to stand in the gap, to share the gospel. And then perseverance. We're, we all go through tough seasons, right? We'll go through a tough time. And instead of giving up, he said, hey, listen, man, you persevere. You keep pressing on. We're told in Scripture, in this world we'll have trouble. But Jesus said, take heart, I have overcome the world, John 16, And then gentleness, man, that we have gentleness and that we're gentle. And we care about people. We love people. We care about people. It says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. So in other words, Timothy had gone public, just like these going through baptism, gone public. Hey, Jesus lives within me. I want everybody to know that. It says, and I charge you. A charge is a challenge, right? So a charge is a challenge. I charge you before God who gives life to all and before Christ Jesus who gave a good testament before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. So he said, hey, listen, I'm challenging you. I'm charging you. Man, to hold firm to this, this teaching. He says, then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again, and he will come again. But what he's saying, hey, listen, man, live, your, live out your faith in such a way that, man, you become a light, and that people, you know, you're living above reproach, that people know, you know what? That guy's godly. That guy's righteous. That guy's holy. That woman is godly. She's righteous. She's holy. And that's what Paul is saying. Hey, live that way. It says, for at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. It says, he alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. He's talking about, you know, God, the father. He said, hey, listen, man, you know, we get to serve the God of the universe. And he said, man, hold tightly to what you know to be true. He says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And what he's saying, hey, listen, man, don't put your trust in, in this, this money, not in the things of this world, because I'm telling you, they're up and down, they're fading. And we don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds. But look at what he says. He says, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to laugh and have fun. You know what I'm saying? He wants us to enjoy life. It says, tell them to use their money to do good. Uh, they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And so here he's making it pretty clear. He goes, listen, don't make it about me accumulating all that I can, you know, but make it about God, show me how I can make as much as I possibly can so that I can bless as many as possible. Show me how I can make a difference in the lives of people and children. Like this little lady, you know, maybe we say, hey, listen, this young lady right here, man, we, God, you've blessed me. I want to bless her. I want to take care of her need. 
I want, I want to sponsor her right here, right before her birthday. And so God is saying, hey, listen, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others, always looking for ways to share. In other words, we're not going, hey, man, look at what I've got. We go, look at what I get to give. Look at what I get to bless others with. Look at what I get to share with others. And we look at that, at our riches that way. Because by doing this, they'll be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life, true life, true life. And so I don't know where you are in your walk, but I hope that maybe God's speaking to you through that. You would go, you know what, God, I want you to use me to lay a good foundation. I want to invite up Owen Gathanga. Uh, this is Owen, and uh, Owen is from Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, if you guys would give him a hand, y'all welcome him to the stage. Hey, brother glad you hear me he's gonna have to slide out of here quick after the service because he's got to catch a flight but we're excited he's been here in the first service and today and uh what a powerful testimony uh does this guy have so uh owen if you would tell us a little bit about what your life was like in uh kenya uh before uh, before everything changed you know what it was like when you were growing up yeah praise the lord church amen uh, so I had a dream ever since I was a little boy. My dream was a little bit different uh, because I never wanted to become a doctor or a lawyer or a pilot or a superhero. <laughs> For some reason, I always wanted to become an accountant. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but then I realized uh, soon enough that that would never happen. It would never happen because of the family that I was born in. And I was born in a family of three boys. I was a baby and with my mom who was a sole breadwinner. And so she would make about five to ten dollars a month. I mean five to ten dollars a month to be able to take care of three kids. That was impossible. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I grew up in what you would call abject poverty. If there's a word that stands in my childhood, it's survival. Survival woke up in the morning and I had no idea when the next plate of food would come from. Sometimes they would go for days without having food to eat. And uh, if you've ever gone hungry for more than a day, you become desperate. You would do absolutely anything just to get food in your stomach. And really that's what pushed me to going and knocking on people's doors, begging for food. And it wasn't a very good experience because I had knocked on these people's doors so many times. And uh, so when I knocked on the door one more time and they opened the door and saw my face, a lot of times they just shut the door in my face because they knew I had come for food. And the few times they let me in, they made the point to humiliate me and my mom just because she wouldn't be able to provide us with food. And it was hard. It was hard, but I had to keep, I had to keep knocking on those doors because that was the only way I was going to survive. We never had access to clean water, not taps or faucets. Really, the source of water that we had was in this river uh, that originated in a slaughterhouse. And uh, you can imagine all that waste going into mm -hmm. the river. That's the same water we would drink out of and cook with. So uh, we had this saying growing up that now I know is it's not right. But uh, we said that if it's brown, it's good enough to drink. Mm -hmm. That's the water. Uh, and, you know, I think one of the other hardest things about growing up in poverty is that every time we got sick, my mom would tell us that, just hope that you're going to be fine because she didn't have the money to take us to a hospital. Back in those days, if you showed up in a hospital and you didn't have money or insurance, they would not take you in. 
So my mom told us uh, every time we got sick, go to bed, and hopefully when you wake up in the morning, you're going to be fine. And uh, she shared with me the story that the year that I was born, when I was one year old, there was a huge measles outbreak that ended up taking the lives of so many kids. And because she couldn't take me to a hospital, she told me that that night she held me. And as the night grew by, I grew weaker and weaker and weaker. And uh, she didn't think I would make it through the end of the night. And I'm a parent now, and I just can't imagine what was going on in my mom's mind. Watching my life slip away, and there was nothing that she could do about it. You know, by the grace of God, I survived that night. And so many other times in my life. And I mean, poverty is bad. I would never wish poverty on any. The absolute worst thing about poverty is the hopelessness that comes from poverty. Mm. It's what everybody used to say when they looked at me. One of the first things people used to say to me was that you are worth less. You will never amount to anything. I mean, they went on to point to my family. And in my family, we were stuck in this generational cycle of poverty. Way from my great-grandparents to my grandparents to my parents to my brothers. You know, we were stuck in this cycle of poverty that no one would break out of. And, uh, and to think that I was going to be the one to break out of it. And it was impossible. And one of the most heartbreaking things was when people asked me this question that we love to ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when they did that, I answered with a smile in my face. I want to become an accountant. <laughs> but it's what they told me that wiped the smile out of my face and really crushed the little hopes that I still had because they told me, don't waste your time. They said, don't hey. waste your time dreaming because none of your dreams will ever come true kind of words that just crush your world. And it wasn't just a one-time thing. You know, I, I, I heard this over and over again, and unfortunately, I started to believe them. And, and I thought this was going to be my story, that I was born poor, I was going to live poor, and I was going to die poor. That would be the end. Nobody would ever get to hear about my story. Hmm. Well, if you... Or with me, man, that's heartbreaking. I mean, I've got three boys, and I can't imagine, you know, holding them, not being able to do anything. Um, and so tell me uh, or share with us, how did compassion uh, offer hope in that? Yeah. And so the way compassion works is there has to be a local church for there to be a compassion program. And so uh, everything they run is through the local church. So the city that I was born in, the church... Uh, that was close to my neighborhood, they sent out an announcement saying that they were registering kids to help them. And that's, kinda, that's, that's where my mom heard this. And she told me to go get ready to go to this church. And so, you know, we ended up in this church. And uh, my first encounter with compassion was in this church. And, the, you know, when we were going through the doors of this church, we didn't see these huge banners that said compassion. What we saw was the name of a church. Mm. And so I think this is one of the most beautiful things that compassion does is working through the church. And you know, at the end yeah. of the day, the church is a hero. And so we walked through the doors of this church, you know, with my mom holding my hand about eight years old. And me and my mom had no idea that us walking through the doors of this church would change our lives forever. 
So we go in there, and one of the things that Compassion has to do is, you know, they, they ha they, you have to fill out questionnaires. They do background visits to make sure that, you know, the kids who are wanting to be sponsored really do need the help. And in my case, it didn't take very much convincing. We needed the help. And so I got registered. And one of the first things that they did is they took a picture of me, just like Hannah, and uh, printed a packet. And funny story about my first uh, picture is I had never taken a picture before. And so one of our friends played a trick on us. And back in those days, uh, the camera flash was uh, attached to the camera, and it was, you know, this white light that would almost blind your eyes. And uh, so one of our friends told us that the camera flash is really painful. And so when I took my first picture, I kept waiting for this pain that never seemed to arrive. <laughs> and so my first compassion picture, I was probably terrified. <laughs> and we laughed about it because, uh, you know, we didn't know any better. And so they printed out a packet like this, sent it out to an event. And in a church, just like today, you know, a guy was walking by the table. He saw my face and he said, I'm going to sponsor this kid. And, and that's how I got sponsored. And my sponsor started to write me letters. And, you know, the letters from my sponsors, they were one of the highlights of my life. You know, uh, one of the first letters that I got from my sponsor had three words that no one had ever said to me before. It had the words, I love you you. Amen. First time I had ever heard those words. And it just blew my mind to think that somebody thought I was lovable. And you know, it, it was hard, just, you know, growing up and knocking on these people's doors and these people shutting the doors on your face and them humiliating you. And you know, at some point I thought maybe it was me. Maybe I was unlovable. But then to just get this letter all the way from Wisconsin, I just it just to think that someone thought I was lovable, mm. that was huge. And, it, you know, I, I say this to say that my mom loved us, but, man, she was struggling to keep us alive. Mm. And so telling us I love you was probably one of the last things on her mind, and it's, it's not in our culture. We don't. Uh, it's, that's not, it's not common for that to happen. And so, you know, get this letter, and then this guy goes on to talk about Jesus. And man, I had no idea who Christ was until I joined Compassion. And then I started going to this church, this Compassion church, and these people would not shut up talking about Jesus. <laughs> and I am not kidding. I had no idea who Christ was. And then I start going to this church. And Compassion, one of the things about Compassion is they are passionate about Jesus. Amen. Like going in, I heard so much about Jesus and it was, it was just from a kid who had no idea who Christ was. And then I start going to this church. And these people were so happy and joyful. And I, that just, it was just, that used to bug me. Why do you have so much joy? And, and, and you know, we would read all these scriptures and talk about this God who was mighty. This God who had a hope and a future for my life. Talk about this God whom... He knew me before I was even formed in my mother's wombs. Yeah, amen. This God who nothing was impossible to. And I mean, it was, it was so good. There was so much good news in this church. But then I would hear about all this good news, and we would sing about all these awesome songs. And then I would go back home to the same people who looked at me and thought absolutely nothing about me. And so I lived in these two different worlds, and I kind of got tired. And I thought, hey. 
Maybe if I go to the church and I accept their Jesus, maybe these people will turn it down talking about <laughs> Jesus. Because, hey, you know, I got your Jesus. Maybe you can move on to the next child in line. So I went to the church and I said, I've come to accept your Jesus. Uh, and so I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And no, these people did not shut up talking about Jesus. <laughs> I think they actually cranked it up talking about Jesus. But I remember going home that night and there was just something different about me. And I thought to myself, I mean, these people exemplify the love that they preach. Why don't I give this Jesus a chance? Why don't I try this Jesus for myself? And so I made a conscious effort and I made a decision to become intentional with my relationship with Jesus. And so I started to dig in the word. And the more I dug into the word is the more I knew the truth. And the more I knew the Amen. truth is the more the truth started to set me free. Amen. And I can tell you here today that the best gift that compassion ever gave to me was the gift of Jesus Amen. Christ. That's right. That's right. Come on. Amen. Because I can tell you today without a doubt in my mind that poverty left my life the day Christ came into my life. Amen. Amen. That if compassion had just given me Jesus and told me to go my way, I would have been just fine. Because when I got Jesus, I got something that was way more stronger than the poverty that I faced. That's right. I got a hope that was way more stronger than the poverty that I faced. That's right. The biggest misconception that people have about poverty is they think that if we pour enough money, we'll be able to get rid of poverty. But money can never get rid of poverty. That's right. Money can change the outside. It can give you food and all that. You know, people focus a lot more on the physical aspects of poverty. But poverty is a lot spiritual and mental. Yes. That sometimes it is physical. So no amount of money would ever get rid of poverty. But Jesus can. Amen. That's right. Because Jesus works from the inside out. Amen. When I got Jesus and, and, and he started to break the shackles that were put in my mind, all those words they told me to make me think that I was worthless and I will never amount to anything. You know, I read the word and the scripture told me different, that I was his masterpiece, Amen. that there was nothing that was impossible. And so something started to happen, a revolution started to happen, that, you know, for every word that they would say to put me down, there was a scripture to lift me up. Amen. That's because right. this is what the word of the Lord says, That's is right. when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises a standard above it. Mm, amen. What they used to say and do to put me down stopped putting me down anymore. See, compassion, they, they gave me food. They gave me clean water. Every time I got sick, they took me to hospital. They took me to school. I was the first person in my whole family to graduate high school. And I went on to college. And, and I did my bachelor's degree in, guess what? Accounting. <laughs> and, and I got a scholarship to go to uh, North Dakota State, of all the states in America. <laughs> I left Kenya, actually, when it was about 100 degrees. And I, by the time I was landing in Fargo, it was about 50 below. <laughs> but... 
I got my ma master's degree in accounting, and, uh, and I love Fargo. I love North Dakota. And, uh, and I sat for my CPA license, and I'm a CPA in America. I'm an accountant! <laughs> That's awesome. Probably not your typical accountant, but it's the one thing they told me I would never become. Is my reality today. Because someone 20-some years ago walked by the table and looked at my picture on a packet. And, you know, there might, might have been doubts of, is this kid for real? Or is it just a picture they took of a kid out in the streets? I'm glad he looked past that and said, I want to sponsor this kid. And he filled out the packet. Because of that, I have been released from poverty. And not just that, but in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, and um, so hearing your story is awesome. And I don't know if you, how many of you guys got a chance to go through the, uh, the journey experience that they did, but this young girl named Patience. And if you haven't gone through that, I would encourage you to go through that as well and hear her story as well. It's powerful. But uh, what, how would you challenge uh, us to make a difference in a life, uh, kid's life? Uh, challenge me. You know, uh, just tell us what that looks like and, and how, how we could be a part of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think one of the things that I, I really, really love about compassion is because compassion is run through the local church, compassion totally redefined what church is to me. Amen. Church was a place that I felt safest. Church was a place that I went to when I was loved on and uplifted. Compassion gave, gave a, me a totally different meaning of church. And, you know, me and my sponsor, we had a wonderful relationship. So I came to find out uh, later that one of the reasons he sponsored me was because we shared the same name. And so when he walked by the table and so on, Owen, he said, oh, I'm going to sponsor this kid. And so my sponsor sponsored me because we shared the same name. And, uh, you know, about 11 years ago, I got married to my wife, the love of my life. And that was awesome. But I also had something special happen. You know, this guy, he, he you know, if an, I never had a superhero, but he would have been my superhero. Mm. You know, he used awesome. to call me uh, small bro, and I would call him big bro because he wasn't very much older than I was. And 11 years ago, you know, um, you know, one of the biggest days of my life, our lives, my sponsor Owen was the best man in our wedding. And I don't know if you have the picture. That's good. That's good. Yeah. And... Yeah, and his son Simon was a was a ring bearer, which is just like an icing to the. But it's it's real relationships that you create with these kids. You know, they you don't you wouldn't think about this, but uh, and they've said this. It's, I had a friend whom their house burned down, and they almost got burned because they were going back to make sure that they had taken their letters from their sponsors. Mm. Because of how much these letters wow. mean to the kids. I mean, it's because we didn't have the money to take pictures. When my sponsor sent me the, you know, the pictures of his family, I put them on my bedroom wall. And, 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 and so every night before I went to bed, I made sure that I, I said a prayer for each and every one of his you know, kids and, and family members. And it's, it's beautiful what what the sponsors do with the kids. But, you know, sometimes you don't see the other side That's of right. a kid who prays every night for their sponsor. That's good. Because...
they got sponsored, they get the opportunity to go to this church and be loved on and get fed and, and, and you know, and, 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 and grow and succeed. Uh, and me, me and my wife who sponsored three kids through Compassion. You know, one of the reasons we sponsor is because I, it changed my life. I mean, uh, and so the $38 a month that we ever spent on this kid, it's, it's the best $38 that I, I spent because I know what it means for those yeah. kids. It's the difference between life and death sometimes. And, you know, it's the difference between this kid growing up and being who God called them to be. And uh, as a parent living in America now, I think one of the hardest things is because there's so many things that are vying for the interest of our kids. You know, you all just... Any open TV and all that, there is just everything selling so many things. And, you know, and sometimes it's like when we can keep getting our kids toys and other things. And sometimes, you know, stepping back, it, to me, it, I thought, you know, what is it that I can pass on to my kids? Something valuable that they can grow learning with and one of the, one of the things that we found is is partnering our our kids with our sponsored you know our, our biological kids with our sponsored kids and so they get to write them letters and they get to grow up with them and know about them they get to pray for them and it's you know it's it's it's, it's an awesome opportunity for me to to you know to tell my kids that they were so blessed and God has blessed us, you know, and we, we get the opportunity to be a blessing to other people. And so that's one of the awesome things is compassion, sponsoring kids with compassion helps me in teaching my kids that there's something so much more important than Amen. them getting toys and more stuff. That's right. And so if I would ask you, I would say sponsor a child. It changed my life. But not only did it change my life because compassion sponsored me as a result of that, of being released from poverty, I've been able to go back and take my whole family from poverty. And, and because I got sponsored, I got to know Jesus. And because I got to know Jesus, my whole family got to know Amen. Jesus. Amen, that's good. See, I can never share my story without talking about Jesus because without Jesus, I don't have a story. And so when these kids get to go to the church and they get to know Jesus, these kids take Jesus to their homes. And, and picture this. You know, the, the project that you're sponsoring in Ethiopia is located in a place that has a lot of poverty and a lot of darkness. And then picture in the middle of a city that is full of darkness and so much hopelessness and poverty stands a church mm. that is the light in that community. So then picture with me, all these kids come from all these homes that are full of darkness. They get to go to this church and one by one, they get their lights lit up. And I don't know if you can picture this with me, from the church that has the light to the kids who get their lights lit up. These kids get to go back home to their families. And then one child per family That's right. gets that family's life lit up. And a city that was once full of darkness all of a sudden starts to illuminate. Ooh, because amen. this is what happens. So when, when there is darkness and lights come in, darkness has to disappear. Right. Because light and darkness cannot coexist. And this is what compassion does is when you give one child Jesus, you're giving Jesus to a generation. Mm, amen. And, you know, God kind of brought my whole story full circle. And as of a year and a half ago, I started working for compassion as, guess what? An accountant. As an accountant. <laughs> and, and so it's my job to 
look at the books and make sure that, you know, they're correct and they agree and they follow the accounting principles. And I love compassion as a sponsored child. They've changed my life. I love compassion because we sponsor kids and it kind of helps me pass on that, you know, the beautiful message of Jesus to my kids through other kids too. But I love compassion even more because of their financial integrity. Mm. And this is a CPA mm. speaking. They do what they say they do. Amen. And so, yeah, if I was to ask you, I would tell you sponsor a child. You know, and it, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for the awesome relationships that will come from today. $38 a month, you know, might not do very much in America, but $38 a month can break the cycles of poverty in a family's life. Because I was sponsored, poverty stopped with me. Amen. The generational curse of poverty stopped with me. Because from me going on, poverty is no longer part of us. That's what happens when you sponsor kids through compassion. And I hope you do. And God bless you guys. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you so much, man. God bless you, brother. Owen's going to make his way back. He, uh, he may be back at the table for just a few minutes, uh, but he won't have long because he's got to catch a flight. But, uh, man, that is, that's a life that's been changed, right? A uh, life that's been changed that's changed others that has, it literally has spread. And so um, hopefully uh, you guys, you get it. You know, you understand what we're about, and, and we want to make a difference in, uh, in the lives of these kids. And so as, uh, one, one uh, last uh, verse uh, I wanted to share with you. Uh, here it says, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. That only makes sense almost to me. You know, God has everything, right? So how are we lending to the Lord? And what God is saying, hey, listen, you're, you're letting me use what you, I have blessed you with to literally make a difference. He goes, and I promise you, you know, you'll get way more out of it than you think you're giving. And just like he was talking about, you know, Owen was praying for his sponsor's kids. You know, you can't outgive God. You know how that is. And, and so, uh, I, I just want you guys, like I said, to pray about that. And there's a couple of next steps. And I hope you heard him say that he was set free from poverty. But I believe there's people here, you know, maybe you're not in poverty, but you're in bondage. And you're in bondage to sin or whatever it might be, or maybe to an addiction or whatever it might be. And, and so God is saying to you, hey, listen, I want to set you free. And he can set you free in Nairobi, Kenya. He can set you free right here in Prattville, Alabama, or wherever you're watching today. Jesus can set you free. And so there's a reason that we always point to Jesus. And every week we present the gospel and we talk about what Jesus can do in your life because we heard and we see what it has done in, in Owen's life. And so there's a reason that we share that. And so next steps would be to surrender my life to Jesus today and, and be set free. So if you're here and you're living in bondage, you go, you know what, man, I want to be free. I want to be free like Owen is. I, I, want, to be the, I want to be the bondage breaker in my family. And I want to be able to you know, kick off that generational curse that's there. And so the way to do that is to put your faith in Jesus, to surrender your life to him. To say, Jesus, I just come to you today broken, sinful, and I'm asking you to step into my life and to save me, to be my Savior, to be my Lord. And I want to live for you from this point forward. I want to quit living the way I've been living. That's repentance, and you turn to him, right? And then, So that's the most important step we could take. And then the next one would be, would be to sponsor a child through Compassion International, therefore being generous to those in need, which lines up with the scripture that we read today. And so I want to ask everybody just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and I don't know what God has said to you today. Maybe he wants you to sponsor a child. Maybe he wants you to choose Jesus. Maybe the Holy Spirit has made it clear that you need a relationship with Jesus. 
you need to be set free from whatever you're living in bondage to. And so right now, I want to give you that opportunity. I want to walk you through uh, a decision or a prayer of salvation, a prayer of surrender. And just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and for my sins. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my life. With all the faith that I have, Jesus, I believe in you. I trust you. And I'm asking you to save me, save my soul, to redeem me, to transform me. And so, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so with all the faith that you have, if you just made that decision, if you just prayed that prayer, then I, if you don't mind, I want you just to raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? Just say, I prayed that prayer. I see your hand right there. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. That's what the Bible says. It says you become a part of the family of God. You become a part of the church, the bride of Christ. Anybody else? I see another hand back here. That's awesome. Welcome to the family of God. And so here we are talking about sponsoring kids. You just got adopted into the family of God. So welcome to the family of God. If you did that online, if you don't mind, message us. Just text us, my decision, to 94000. We would love to know. There may be some of you that are watching online that you want to sponsor a kid. There's a, there'll be a, a, a text number that pops up. You can text that number. You can sponsor. You don't have to be here in person to do it. You can sponsor it online. You, know, you can do that. But there are many others in here that God is dealing with you about something. And so we just want to give you an opportunity. The, the band is going to play through a song. And I know the service is a little long, but the altar is open. It's always open. And so the, the worship team is going to come. They're going to sing it through a song, and then we'll close the service out. And uh, so I want to just ask everybody, if you would, across the room to stand. And uh, just stand, and we, we want to we just honor God. We just want to ask Him just to move in our hearts. Father, we thank You for what You've done today, what You've said today, God, what You have revealed today. God, I thank You for these that have put their faith in Jesus for salvation. Thank You for that salvation. Thank You for adopting us into Your family, God. God, I pray that You'd fill this time with Your Spirit. Show us what You want us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen.